Hi, this is Dame Deborah Smith, mother of Delvin, the dog whale, and you're listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. Love you, Mom. Love you, honey. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 41, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 185 and X-Men number 114 from July episode is sponsored by omaha bound entertainment omaha bound is your best choice for hard binding those special comics in your collection the guys over at omaha bound do only the best high quality binding and this might be the best part they custom design every cover so every single hardcover they design is unique in short when you get your comics hardbound with omaha bound you'll know that you have a truly one-of-a-kind collection in addition to binding they also sell special trade collections of hard-to-find comics All this is available on their website, which is omahabound.com. Treat yourself and uh, treat those special comics that you have right. Go to omahabound.com today. Hello and welcome to the 41st episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issues or issues for this release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and have some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. And speaking about my friends... For 40-some episodes, wow. We passed the 40 milestone here. Can you believe it. it? No. I'm excited. <laughs> Bringing an old one back, but obviously <laughs> too old. Anyway, speaking about being too old. Pat, Pat. Hey, yeah, Delvin. Calm down. <laughs> I can't. I'm excited, Delvin. Well, you've heard Delvin, so let's go ahead and introduce Jared Elbrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Well, hello. It's great to be back here again. Uh, unfortunately, guys, this is going to be my last episode. Oh, wow. I'm graduating to another podcast. Uh, oh. Let me just go check and see if my name is on the, huh, not on the graduation roster. All right. I guess I'll be around for at least one more. <laughs> it was a gym class, wasn't it? It was a gym class. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep track of those credits, son. <laughs> That's my bit. For this episode. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Good one, Jared. Good one. Thanks, Pat. Speaking about good ones, let's go ahead and talk to Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Well, Pat, I'm pretty tired. Would you like to know why? But Delvin, I would like to know why. In order to get here, I had to crawl through about a mile and a half of rock. Okay. You know, but I made it here because I wanted to show you my dedication. You know, people might think I'm dead, but I'm here. I'm here. That's right. That- Devin Willen lives. I also wore a bikini. Is that the old lady gave you? <laughs> well, quarantine does some weird things, man. 
I got more to, today. So you don't have to remind me. Or a bikini. I got it. Yeah, I get the I get the pictures you send to the group chat. <laughs> Can't get that out of my mind. But anyway, speaking about being out of your mind, let's go ahead and talk to Jason the Weasel Skell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> never stop being funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's good. Great one. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Thanks for that. Yeah, I um, came back from vacation. I thought I had a really good time. Then I watched Colossus get to be the Russian meat in the Savage Land sandwich. Man, that was <laughs> he's definitely having more fun than I. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. I gotta say, Pat. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I'm sure we'll, there'll be some talk about this issue from a few people. Mm. I think so. Probably mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Some pictures were. Worth the words, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right, mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> but speaking about pictures and and words being bounded together, nice let's go segue. ahead and welcome. Cool. Yeah, you like that? I'm yeah. getting good at that. That's, Forty episodes. That's a segue that actually <laughs> makes sense. I don't know what to do. With <laughs> I know. I was confused. <laughs> it's better than the one I mentioned in the group chat, but <laughs> <laughs> and we'll say that one off air. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we want to welcome our sponsor, Tim from Omaha Bound. Hi, Tim. Hey. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to talk Spidey and X-Men this week. Um, and I, too, had my own homemade loincloth oh. prepared for this episode. So, <laughs> oh, Wait, what color was yours? <laughs> the color of all things in the 1980s. Brown. Brown. Okay. Oh. I Roman? thought he was, was, was going to say stuff. <laughs> like one of those neon oranges or something. <laughs> The color was Delvin's. I got to know what Delvin's color. I, I tried to find some really cool shades that triangle shaped with green lenses, but couldn't no, find that. Okay. Some Gator Z's or some. Delvin, what color was your loincloth? I have to know. Mine was brown too. I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> Skin tone brown? I had a suspicion. I had a suspicion. <laughs> oh. Well, Tim, go ahead and tell us a little about yourself, about what you do with uh, Omaha Bound. Omaha Bounds, that's uh, David Banks and myself joined up a little over four years ago. Kind of four things we do, custom bound collections. So we take your comic book collection, bind it into a, a custom made hardcover book. A lot of times we do books that have never been collected. Uh, like Rom is a kind of a fan favorite. Um, mm, yes, sometimes mm. it's just uh, somebody wants something collected in their own way or they just they have the comics and so they they want the showpiece so so we do a lot of custom comic binding david and i have both worked in a bindery and with bindaries for i, I worked there for four years he worked with them for 10 between the two of us we've got more experience than kind of anybody else as far as i know in the world which is a weird, I mean, niche of a niche of a niche um, thing. But <laughs> we know what we're doing with these. Um, and then I can validate um, we that. I have this, we're comic fans. Everything we do is is our way to contribute to this industry that we, we love. So not only do we do binding, but we'll do some very small publishing or some work with creators. So we've done projects with Matt Kent and Charles Soule and Stan Sakai and others doing kind of very small run collections for them and then we do some very small publishing as well so we published uh the wretch which is a collection of phil hester comics and then last thing we do is uh, we call them what if books but we do a lot of restoration and and work to things that we think should exist but don't in the hopes that one day 
they can exist because of kind of the, the work we put into it. So Rom, Akira, Usagi Ojimbo, we've done work with all of those oh, nice. um, and, and work directly with the creators to kind of let them know it exists. So DC Style Guide is a, a recent one we've done. So um, we kind of dabble in all of that. So it's just our way to contribute to this this little industry. That's awesome. very cool. That's very cool. I think that's probably what makes you a standout uh, company in doing that is just your love for the comics as well, mm. too. And you can definitely tell from the product that Jared has shown us all his yes. uh, fancy books. I am yeah. so fancy, first of all. We <laughs> mm-hmm, do that right mm-hmm. out of the way. You, you know. might say shows off. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, but I have had several collections bound by them. They do wonderful work. I am a repeat, repeat, repeat customer. I'm pretty sure I covered the mortgage on Tim's house. <laughs> um, we'll have to see. But no, the, their quality is top notch. And I love showing them off because I am so fancy. Mm-hmm. I want to be as fancy as you, Jared, someday. And I know someday. a guy who can help you. Yeah, He's on this yeah. podcast. He can mm-hmm. help you be that fancy. Yeah, Get that red star bound. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, Tim, we are happy to have you here, and it was so exciting to hear that you wanted to join us on uh, the show. So, yeah, I'm excited. To, I, I read, I read both comics. I'm, oh, I'm well, they're a step ahead of Jared. Yeah, I don't yeah, read them. I don't read Jared, yeah. <laughs> He's reading it as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter. <laughs> Well, before we get started with this episode's issue, why don't we take a quick podcast promo break and we will be right back. I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? told you never to call me again yeah i know and modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much i don't care look i'm getting the trailer for this year's jail made together and i assumed i had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something <laughs> well look at you leading this year's jail may somebody's wearing his big boy pants so what's the theme i sent you an email like a month ago like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes. Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. 
Countdown to Infinite Crisis, the event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020, on Views from the Long Box, and continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. And it's Amazing Spider-Man number 185. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel, got a cover date of October 1978, but its on-sale date was July 18th, 1978. Cover price is 35 cents. Editor was Marv Wolfman. And there's two stories in here. First one is Spider, Spider, Burning Bright. And this particular one is written by Marv Wolfman. Penciler was Ross Andrew. Anchor is Mike. Welcome back, Mike. Yes. Letterer is Annette Kawicki. I don't know you. And colorist is Nelson Yamtov. Hey, I know that, Nelson. You do? From Transformers. Yeah, Transformers. See? I'm learning stuff here. And uh, there was a second story, The Graduation of Peter Parker. And the writer for that was Marv Wolfman. Penciler oh. is Ross Andrew. What? Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, double anchor on this one. The wonderful and very fun to say, Mike Espadito. Espadito. Letterer this time around was John Costanza. And colorist is Michelle Wolfman. All right. Well, uh, the cover credits go to penciler Ross Andrew and three times. Can you believe it? <laughs> this guy is an ink working master. Mm-hmm. He's coming back in style. It's Mike. It's Esposito. That's a whole heck of a lot of Esposito. Yeah. We got Esposito coming out of our ears. <laughs> oh, it's been such a long time. You would have to go to the doctor for that. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking about going to the doctor, let's get to our cover description from <laughs> the doctor himself, Dr. Death Probe. <laughs> PhD. Here we go. Ready to turn your head and cough. All right. Well, working graduation terms into the cover description is really hard, so I've decided to completely misuse the terms for this description. Here we go. The Marvel Comics Group banner patriculates black letters on a blue background, and Spider-Man is still standing in a light blue corner box like a valedictorian. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is red cap with black gown, and it doesn't really dangle from the webs like a baccalaureate, but the entire cover has a web effect as Spidey looms figuratively over the proceedings of Peter's graduation. Peter receives his diploma, and his friends and co-workers cheer him to varying degrees. Okay, that one actually worked. <laughs> this is my huckleberry. I appreciate you, Delvin. <laughs> the lineup of salutatory and supporters includes Harry Osborne, Flash Thompson, Robbie Robertson, Betty Brant, J. Jonah Jameson, and um, Tito Jackson, I think. <laughs> It does look like Peter It's Jackson. just Tito if you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Here are your cover blurbs. The most demanded story of them all, Peter Parker's graduation. Will the specter of Spider-Man ruin this joyous day? And also, Marvel's TV sensation. And I looked it up since there was some confusion on last episode, and it is definitely referring to the live-action show. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Tim gets a pass on this one, because when I wrote this, I didn't know we were going to have a guest. So here are our sound effects for this cover. Jason, you're on graduation music. Delvin, you're the announcer reading Peter's name, or play with that however you want. (laughs) And Pat, you are his cheering friends. Three, two, one, go. No, we're kidding. You didn't grow. Well done, everybody. I didn't hear I didn't hear what Delvin did, but I'm sure I told you. <laughs> he basically either. yanked that graduation rug right off. <laughs> <laughs> well done, team. And that is your cover for the amazing Spider-Man number 185. Awesome. Always awesome and fun. Great performance, everyone around. Let's go ahead and get to what we think of the cover. We'll start with Tim. Your cover thoughts. So I liked the yellow against the the red and blue Spider-Man, like the (laughs) give me a big, bold cover. I didn't care for the kind of blanked out audience, Mm. like just the blue filled in silhouette audience and the specter of Spider-Man. If not for that, those words, I would not have picked up on that. I would have just thought it was, you know, Spider-Man hanging out, watching Peter Parker graduate. So I felt like the art did not necessarily carry the tone they were going for. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I wasn't blown away by it. Let's go ahead and see what Jason thought. Well, I think this is meant to be a momentous cover. It covers Peter's graduation from college, kind of. And I think it mostly hits the mark. I think, as Tim was saying, I really like how it's very bright and vibrant. I like the webs that are framing Spider-Man on the cover. And I I like that Peter and his graduation outfit and surrounded by some of those closest to him. I thought that was kind of nice as well. Including Tito Jackson. Including Tito Jackson. Tito, you're nasty. (laughs) Jared, your thoughts on the cover? Uh, I'm in line with Jason. I think it's a good cover to get across the point. And then I'm in line with Tim. Vibrant colors, very attractive to the eye. If you were a kid looking at comics on a spinner rack, I could see this one being very bright and colorful and landmarky. I'm wondering if, do you think that Tito Jackson might be Robbie's son? Yeah, because probably Randy. Randy? I couldn't remember his first name. Also Randy. a Jackson, by the way. I'm Randy, baby. <laughs> Randy, true. You go, dog. You go. <laughs> not not that Randy. Oh, no. oh that's Randy. Randy. That, Wait, that is Randy Jackson, though. That, that was a little pitchy. Not, not that Randy Jackson. <laughs> another Randy Jackson. There's a lot of layers to this. Yeah. <laughs> But overall, I like it. I like the drawing of looming Spider-Man. I think it's a cool pose and a, and well done. Uh, but yeah, there may be a better composition uh, that could have been done. But overall, I mean, it's Andrew and Esposito, so it's it's pretty. Delvin? It is pretty. And I don't know how much people really wanted to see Peter Parker graduate high school, but this was some, what, 40-something years ago, so maybe people did want to see him graduate, excuse me, college. Maybe people wanted to see him graduate college and move the heck on. The primary colors, the yellow, the red, the blue, they, it makes everything strike out, but just the event overall, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's not something that's super exciting. It is Andrew Esposito, which is great, but as far as the cover itself, sorry. Well, 
I kind of agree with everybody as well, too. You pretty much said it all. What I think that stands out is the fading of the color of the that spectery kind of Spider-Man mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it fades out. I like that. But I have a feeling we might have uh, Chrissy and Jack. And, <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know. We'll oh, see. I guess we'll, we'll see. Find out. We'll see what everybody thinks. But speaking of the ratings, let's go into that. And if you have not listened to the last 40-some episodes, I'm going to give you the cover rating and what we do here for the Crusader Chronicles. It's a one through five rating. Five meaning it tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It Mm. ruffled your tummy feathers. Mm. Mm. Gross. Tim, you're on the hot seat. Yeah, I got I gotta say two. Two? Okay. Yeah, didn't, uh, I liked the colors, but I felt like they could have done a lot more. Man, Tim just came and just. You came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. He has his own opinion. Delvin. I'm in the middle. I'm at a three. Okay. Uh, well, it says Pat. Oh, Pat. Oh, yeah, Pat, I'm <laughs> Wait, glad you asked. Yeah, that's me. I'm going to go with the three as well. I like it. I'm looking for something more here. Jared. I think I'm going to be the ray of sunshine here, guys. I'm going to give it a four. Ooh. I really like the attractive colors. I like that sort of landmark moment. Like Delvin said, it's not like a superhero landmark moment. It's just graduated college. But, you know, thinking about the way we used to think about things, you know, how much would I want this hanging on my wall? It's a pretty cool cover to hang on your wall, I would say. Not bad. So I, I'm going to go with be Mr. Sunshine and give it a four, and I'll let Jason decide what he wants to do at the end. Well, to be honest, I thought I was going to be the Ray of Sunshine because I said four as well. Mm. I really like how the colors just pop on this. I like the momentous occasion. I like how they laid it out. Even though they have Peter Parker standing dead center there, looming over him is his responsibilities as Spider-Man. Spider-Man is just kind of resting back there, but you know that there's going to be some Spider-Man moments in this book that's going to get in the way of this graduation. And I just like how the artist laid it out. So four from me. All right. Well, that's a good variety of, I think, ratings. So who's threes and fours? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're listening to this, man. Let us know on our social media. Where are you going to put it? Got a yeah. wide variety for once. So what happens when we bring uh, somebody in who's not like-minded like we have that been brainwashed for 41 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> 40, 40 episodes of brainwashing hasn't taken effect. I respect your point of view, Tim. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's fair. I would also like to see the the actual comic i'm reading it digitally so mm, same um, all right well with that let's go ahead and get into a synopsis that's brought to you by delvin while attending a demonstration in radiology high school student peter parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays through a miracle of science peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had in effect become a human spider a Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. The title of this book is Spider-Spider Burning Bright. And additionally, kind of, sort of, the graduation of Peter Parker. Have I ever told you guys about the time I made out with Tyra Banks? I was stationed at a a couple hours away from L.A. back in 2003. Some friends and I went down to the Whiskey A Go-Go, and there she was. 
With confidence that a 26-year-old Delvin really didn't possess, I walked up to her at the bar, ordered her a drink, and in about an hour or so, I was getting hot and heavy with mm. Tyra Banks. Mm. Yes, sir. Mm. There was also this time in San Antonio where I entered a karaoke contest. The song I picked was Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, and I absolutely nailed it, and I took home the prize of $10,000. There happened to be a scout listening that night, and I was offered a six-figure deal, which I had to turn down because I was still in the Air Force. My theme here is that I just read you two stories, neither of which actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> First story quickly concluded with what seemed to be a pretty cool buildup of the White Dragon story so far, with a pretty cool buildup of the mysterious Philip Chain, which started Spidey and probably escaping a burning oil vat and ended in Spider-Man arranging all the rival gangs walled off, only to watch Spidey put his red and blue hands all over White Dragon. Wow, wow, wow. The second story is that Peter Parker was all set to graduate in Aunt May, this being her 78th straight issue in the hospital, set to watch him from closed circuit TV. But old Parker Luck comes into play with Pete not being able to graduate college because he forgot to take a gym class. Back to you, Pat. Oh, man. Not taking the gym class. What's that going to do? Can't be a gym class hero. <laughs> no, no, you gotta go to gym class to be a gym class, gym hero. class hero. You definitely do. Thank you, yeah. Delvin, for that fun and enlightening uh, several stories that you have provided to us. <laughs> I wish they were true for you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the bric a brac for this. We'll start with Tim. First read or reread for you. First read for me. All right, Pat. Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. It's going to be a first read for me, Jared. It's a first read for me as well, Jason. First read, Delvin. <sighs> Sorry, guys, it's a reread. Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I I'm reading Rainbow, huh? I, no, I'm sorry. I got it at Heroes Con, and I read it. No. I hate the show, and I hate all of you. I know. Um, I, I hate myself. Does that, does that, does that help? I, I'm not happy. A little bit. Okay. The clouds in the sky. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, sit that's a sad and cry. Rainbow. Sad um, rainbow. Sad rainbow. <laughs> Take a look. It's in a book. Reading rainbow. <laughs> Reading rainbow. <laughs> Could have had a ball, but Delva screwed us all. <laughs> Well, hopefully, let's find out. Maybe he can bring us back up with either a high or a low or the what the. With that, we're going to start with Tim as well. You got a high, low, or what the for this round? So my highs were, so page four, the uh, borderless recap page. Um, I just, I stopped on that one. I was like, this was really well executed. All the images flowed well together. It brought me up to speed. Mm -hmm. I didn't read the previous issue. So as much of a story as we had going on here, it let me know enough to continue on. But more of the, the art and the kind of the direction the Ross Andrew took uh, laying mm -hmm. that out. I was really impressed by it. The other thing, this is the first time I've ever seen the White Dragon. So that page one splash... The costume was really cool, um, the bright white and red, and that hand right at the top of the page, like right kind of the first thing you see, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of detail in the, the hand and the claw. And so the costume, I just, I was kind of blown away by it. And it would be cool to see this character show up in like a 
a modern, maybe that's already happened, but I'd like to see the characters show up again in a, a modern book just to see what current art styles would do to that costume. So Yeah, we dabbled in that a little bit in our discussion last time. We were kind of split about whether or not we liked the costume. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I think we discovered, maybe it wasn't on the episode, but offline, um, I had had an inkling that he had joined up with that dude. Was it Hood? Red Hood? Something Hood. Yeah. In the 2000s. So there is a more modern take of him. I remember it happening, but I don't remember what his costume looked like. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, the costume was, there were definitely panels throughout the issue that, you know, this was the establishing shot. Here's the costume. I'm going to put the most work into this one page mm-hmm. and I'm going to take it easy the rest of the issue. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was cool. Even the fire coming out of his nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not rocket. I got behind that. So. <laughs> it's um, not a rocket. Activate. Yeah. Jason, high, low, or what the? Well, I guess I'm going to start it out with a low. Um, as Delvin said, this is really two stories. And the second story really, really bothered me. I mean, it made Peter just look stupid. Like, just like an idiot. Yeah, I mean, he hyped his own hand up like, hey, watch me graduate. And like, how many clues did he go through to figure out like, wait a minute, I'm not graduating today. So like, but he kept like trying to push through this thing. And I think it was a a wasted opportunity for a storytelling. Because if it's me, the thing about Peter is it's his responsibility that often overwhelms you know, what he wants to do. So I think it would have been a better story if he was going to graduate and then he had to go rescue Chang. Or what was the guy's name? Uh, I think it was. was it? I, think it was. Yeah. I think it was Chang. Oh. Yeah, from the drug lords and, and break up that, that drug ring. So if it were me writing it, that's the way I would have done it. But the way that they laid this out, it just made him look stupid. And I didn't like that. Yeah, and and why I'll piggyback on that. Why was it two stories? Yeah, like couldn't they just been that. like, you know, with that wrapped up, Peter heads over to Yeah. Or Peter's gotta hurry up and get this done <laughs> so he can get the con you know. I don't yeah. understand it. There was something about this book. I, I, I can't I don't know it, but it feels like there's a rush going on. Something about it felt rush y because just a few months back, you know, they wrapped up that storyline with Green Goblin, mm-hmm. a five-parter. It's brilliant. Since then, you know, they brought Marv Wolfman on the book, but it just seems to be there's like a little hitch and a giddy up going on there. Something's just not linking up because the first book, you know, they introduced the whole Chinatown thing and then Philip Chang. And then they went into a story in here, which seemed pretty cool. Like, let's find out a little bit more about that. Who the heck is the white dragon? No one knows. And then they just kind of took it, balled it up. And, and yeah, just like, yep, well, next issue, chameleon. See it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I checked to make sure I didn't have an error. Like, I was reading it digitally. It's yeah. like, here's the graduation cover. And yeah. then page one is this cool thing. And I'm thinking, like, at some point, He's not going to graduate because he's fighting this guy. And then, well, just end of story. (laughs) It seemed just a little weird and disjointed. The graduation seemed disjointed. And I remember mentioning that, I think, maybe last episode. And the wrap-up was just way too quick. So a whole big all-encompassing what the for me. Jared? I will take from my first round. I'm going to go with a low, unfortunately. We're we're beating beating up this book, and there's a lot to like. 
But I was very disappointed because if you remember last episode, I was so excited that Pat, you picked up they were in a mannequin factory. Yeah. That probably wasn't actually Spider-Man being dropped into the oil. And I was like, that's crazy clever. They went out of their way to show us mannequins. So that's why when he falls into the burning oil, it's not him. It's a mannequin. And it was him. And it was like, well, oil burns from the top down. So I'm going to do some. And I was just I was just so heartbroken that it wasn't that clever thing that I thought you picked up. I was like, oh, that was so great. And and I mean, I'm not mad at how it happened. This is probably how he had it planned the whole time. But why show us a mannequin? fact? (laughs) It was such a cool little clue. I guess red herring. I don't know. I just thought it would. I thought it'd been cooler if it, if it would have been a ruse, if you will. Pat's idea was definitely better than the explanation <laughs> that the, the author came up with. Yeah, I like Pat's idea better. Ultimately. Yeah, I thought. I know. That I'm gonna just steal that from you too. That that's my what the for this round. I'm gonna start off with the what the. It's like what the. <laughs> you had the perfect chance, and he doesn't catch on fire being put into it, or I. Well, he did. Board. He dropped them and then started boiling it. I, I kind of wanted to know why would his web shooters work in, in the water? Yeah. Because oh, okay like, web shooter hang glider. We're all right yeah. with the hang glider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the hang glider. And I'm on record saying I'm not all right with the hang glider. Look. Well, the other thing, too, is like because his costume gets all burned up, the, yeah. the Chinese gang like leaves Chang tied to the chair. Then he goes home and changes his costume. Mm. Chang just sitting there. Poor guy just sitting there in this chair for like hours. <laughs> yeah. Let's do Gary, Gary, Gary. <laughs> yeah, what's Chang doing sitting there going? I, I, I should have dropped some uh, chicken in there. Some, you know, that was kind chicken. of that was kind of my question. You think when he came out of there, did you think Spider Man smelled delicious? <laughs> Anybody smell chicken? <laughs> Spider legs, deep fried. I, I got to know something right now. Just to put Tim on the spot, are you pro or anti when Spider-Man makes like a hang glider out of his webs or a surfboard out of his webs? How are you on webbing <laughs> objects? Because we're very divided on this show. <laughs> I, I so I've got two notes. One was how did he cover himself in webs while submerged in oil? <laughs> so there's a technical side that I can't believe that. I just I'm curious how he would do it. But then when he makes the webs to box everybody in at the end, I'm yeah. totally for that. Even oh, though I'm all like, in. Oh, I'm all over like that. Yeah. Razor straight and like copy and pasted in there. Like, <laughs> uh, right, let me specifically so, ask you. All right. Hang I'm glider. okay with it. Until You're okay with hang oil. oil. Since, okay. he, since he sponsors the show, I'll tolerate it. Yeah. <laughs> also, it was I'm not changing my answer. Boo. <laughs> Yeah, I think me and Delvin are pro uh, pro, pro web objects. Pro web, Jason and I webs. are anti web objects. Yeah, we're, we're pro fun and yeah. and and I don't mind simple definitely. objects like when he makes the ball, you know. But the, yeah. the hang glider. Did we get everybody on highs and lows, Pat? I guess I, I think so. I think so. We did round so two. Round two. two. Fight. Here we go, Tim. This is round two, so you can All go right. ahead and give us some more uh, high, lower, what the. Yeah, I mean, some more. So I keep going back to the cover and the the specter of Mm Spider-Man. And I'm pretty sure the specter of Spider-Man is that he can't keep track of his credit count. Mm, True. Um, (laughs) It's a basic function of going to college, right, is keeping track of what classes you took. So... (laughs) Stopping in to talk with your academic advisor as graduation approaches. Yeah. Or, or responding um, to the many phone calls that, and, and notices they've left you. <laughs> well, guys, guys, I, I heard a fact. 
some time ago, like once your heart rate gets over 100 beats per minute, you're incapable of processing any new information. Spider-Man's like chased by Green Goblin. Like maybe <laughs> he forgot his course credit count. He has other things to worry about, like pumpkin bombs and, and the little ghost thing that we never could agree. And the frog. The frog is very important too. <laughs> Have you found his buggy yet? Uh, yeah, he made his poor aunt sit and watch that thing. <laughs> Three hours, man. She could have been watching Matt Lock. You know she wanted to watch Matt Lock. <laughs> <laughs> How much so, effort did Robbie go through to hook up that TV camera? I think he probably had to bring that TV from home. I you know. know. So, yeah, so similar to what you brought up earlier, that second story was was rough. <laughs> it made Peter really look kind of dumb. So Yeah, I felt no pity. I felt no pity. Like, oh, no, poor Parker luck. That's not Parker luck. That's Parker's stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even the final moment where he's like, Looking out nobly, like, well, it's just one class, and I'll graduate in September. And it'll be okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even swept up in this moment because I'm just like, you're an idiot. And Flash and Harry were there, like, to support him, and he's like, "What are you guys doing here? You're not graduating. You're too dumbass, man." <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like Obviously we not. three have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Flash gave him a rash of crap. Of course he did. In his tracksuit. Yeah. Tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is the two of us are smart enough to realize it. <laughs> anyway, I'm yeah, we got even, even crazy oh. Osborne knows when he's got to go to gym class. <laughs> you all said I'm crazy. I took my gym credit. <laughs> Oh. oh man, we really hijacked Tim's. Yeah. <laughs> we did. I love. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Hijacked. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Toss another one right. out there. Oh. No, that was my main main one. So. Uh, all right. We'll pass it on to Delvin. I did like the very uh, Spider-Man's plan at the end. He isolated the four gangs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. brought it into that one-on-one uh, with the White Dragon and then proceeded to womp his yeah. which was, I mean, that, that was cool. And it's just he almost just ran out of insults at the end and just like, you're just a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Spider. That's, that's not very nice. <laughs> but I like the setup, but just there's something about that setup that just goes back to my what the, and it just felt rushed because the issue before, he had a kind of difficult time with the White Dragon. He was brand new and he did fall for one of his traps, which he recovered from in this issue, but mm-hmm. it seemed like it could have used another issue of fleshing out, maybe telling a little bit of Philip Chang's backstory maybe a little bit of hint as to who the white dragon might be then to lead to that fight would have just been a little bit less rushed. But that said, the fight at the end was pretty cool. Jason. Yeah. I think I'll just uh, expand on that a little bit. Cause, and I've said it before. I really like those fights that show Spider-Man use like all of his abilities. And this yeah. was one of those where mm-hmm. he did that again. He used the spider sense to track the gangs down. He used the webs to divide and conquer. He used his spider strength. He used his agility. 
you know, he uses webs as shields against White Dragon's defenses. So you got to see him use his whole power set. And the one thing I absolutely hate where they really force to have a villain that's not really in his league. Like we talked a little bit about this with Rocket Racer. Mm-hmm. Just kind of falsely pump him up. You know, th- they didn't do it with this one. He just, he was not clowning around with this guy. He just had had enough. And I liked how he just used all his powers to just basically wipe the floor with this guy. I thought that was really cool. Very good. And I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of that real quick. I definitely liked the high for me was the fight that was going on. Um, I think the, uh, the art in the fight was really cool. I like seeing the, the shadowy spider as he's doing his moves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely enjoyed the fight scene. Jared? You know, uh, completely unoriginal. I wanted to talk about the fight scene, too. Everybody's talked about it. I think the point's been made. But every once in a while, because Peter does have that Peter luck, and he always kind of gets beat down or taken down by somebody he shouldn't, which Jason referred to. Sometimes it's great to watch him just be Spider-Man and wail away on somebody who is not in his dang league. And I know that's what you said, Jason. And I just agree. I just wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, it, it is cool. Yep. It's just cool to see him. No, no, seriously, I'm Spider-Man. You're the White Dragon. That's the end of this story. <laughs> you know, type of a deal. And I will continue to be Spider-Man. In- <laughs> <laughs> and you're just going to hang up there in those webs I just I mean, punched you into. <laughs> I mean, I want to jump forward about a uh, hundred issues or so, and I just remember an, ish- an issue where Spider-Man just got his dander up and took on one of the Heralds of Galactus. It was one of the? It was the Fire Guy, whatever his name was, and he beat the mess out of that guy (laughs) and i love it i love it when superheroes step up i mean there's an issue of nightwing where he has to go one-on-one with deathstroke the terminator and he's like well let's do this and he just gets his dander up and goes you know and i just love moments like that and Mm -hmm. spidey got that moment cool very good all right well does anybody have any final thoughts anything you want to get off your chest about this one we haven't found our footing yet after that great green yeah, uh, that Green Goblin storyline. We have not found our footing with Amazing Spider-Man yet, and I'm looking forward to that next big story arc. It, it did take a while for Lin Wein to get his footing, yeah, because I remember being pretty critical of his stuff at the start, and hopefully Wolfman uh, pulls off a pretty good run. I, I'm I've read a decent amount coming up, but I can't remember it. So reading it sequentially, I'm hoping that of solid stories forms again. Yeah, right now, if I was reading this live back in the late 70s, I wouldn't be mad that I was picking up this book, but it yeah. wouldn't be like, I got to read this immediately when I get home. I'd be like, eh, I'll put it in the middle of my read stack. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not left at the end of this one going, oh, I got to see what the next issue is. You know, it's, mm-hmm. and to Delvin's point, I definitely was during that Green Goblin run. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to know what happens next. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, that let's go ahead and get into silly Spidey moment for this issue. Tim, do you have a silly Spidey moment? Yeah, I think the uh, gang fight about mid issue yeah. where the, the white dragon shows his power against the rival gangs. I just want to know who picked up that guy's green sunglasses. <laughs> like, <laughs> the mantle. Because he should have kept those on for the fight and they took him off. And they even made sure to show he took them off. And I just want to know where they went. <laughs> that guy who challenged White Dragon and lasted, I think, three panels. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Delvin. I'm going to go with Jonah. Cause <laughs> that speech. Horrors. That he's just up there. To, I, I, Jared and I graduated together. And I, I don't I don't remember who spoke. 
I'm pretty sure he didn't talk for hours. He may have talked for 30 minutes or whatever. I don't remember a word of it. <laughs> I, I, so I can only imagine these folks just wanting to graduate and having Jonah sitting up there boring their butts off. So I just thought that was hilarious. And the caption said several hours later. Yeah. <laughs> oh my Somebody was like popping off to him in the yeah. audience. <laughs> yeah. So that's mine. Excellent. Jared. I have to go with one that I posted on social media when I first read this a couple of months back. It's on content page eight. It's the page where Spidey's st- he's just starting to wall off the gangs and they don't know it yet. Uh-huh. It's panel two where the spider signal is shining on the wall and the uh-huh. dude says, white dragon, look. And the white dragon says, that signal, Spider-Man must be nearby. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, those detective classes are really paying off. <laughs> you want to Why he's the leader. Why he's the leader. <laughs> like, really? That was a little exposition you didn't need. You kind of looked weird there. But it cracked me up when I saw it. So I did a screenshot of it, put it on Twitter a couple months back when I first read this in preparation for the show. I'm just kidding. I don't read the comics for the show. <laughs> no. You just look at them. <laughs> but that cracked me up. Unintentional bit of humor. Jason. I'm going to go with Jonah again, but specifically, I thought it was funny at the very end of his hours long speech that he actually promotes the bugle <laughs> and offers them like a like a reduction on their subscription. One I, that, that is just classic Jonah right there. <laughs> and he's so pleased with himself. Look how happy he is yeah. with himself. He's like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Pat, bring us home. Well, of course, you guys probably seen it the minute you saw those words. I'm going to go to the fight scene again. Yep. (laughs) He's fighting the white dragon with that kind of shadowy flips that he does. He says, right behind you, Sweetums. (laughs) Did you use uh, Sweetums in your jujitsu tournament, Darkweb? Did you like, I'm going to pin you, Sweetums. (laughs) Have you watched the videos? I have not. I have not. Are they In on that YouTube? case, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I will. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Again, it's just a reminder for it's a one through five rating. Five, you tickled your tummy feathers. You <laughs> loved it. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Tim, one through five. All right, I think if it was just the White Dragon story, I'd score higher. But the disconnect with the graduation and really the missed opportunity of how to tell that story, mm-hmm. um, I said two. Two, wow. Tim's sticking with his twos on this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Tough grader, Tim. Yeah. Tim doesn't mess around, man. No. Nope. Jason. For exactly the same reasons that Tim said, I think they had a very strong first story and a relatively weak second story. Uh, but I'm a little kinder to it. I really like that first story arc, so I'll give it a three. Delvin. I can see a reason to give it a two. I really could uh, because it was rushed and that second story didn't really do much for me. But I don't know. It just I didn't think it was bad either. So it, it gets a three from me. I just wish I would would know the storyline behind it. It feels like X-Men felt a few months ago before Burn came on the book, where it's just a little bit disjointed and there's just something like they needed to just get this book and this little section over with and move on. So three, but I definitely understand where Tim's coming from on this one. Jerry? I'm middle of the road three. Again, I understand where Tim is. I would mm-hmm. say my bump. Up would be, I really like, you know, it's Andrew and Esposito. It looks great. Was it fun to read? Yeah, it was a little bit fun. So uh, that gets gets me to a three. 
I agree with you as well, too. I'm going with the three, everything you guys had said, but it's just a squeak by for me on the three. And what made it that was the White Dragon story. A little fast, but it kind of paid off in a little bit. So, and Spidey got a cool moment. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Final uh, Ross issue. I think I saw so. that. Yeah, it said it had a little Didn't farewell thing on yeah. there. Oh no! <laughs> I wonder too if that might have been why it kind of had a rushed feel. I kind of got a sense that mm-hmm. they wanted to get Ross to come back for that graduation part, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they compressed that storyline and threw in a hurried up piece. For that the makes one. sense that that they wanted to let Ross have the honor of that graduation. That makes sense. Yeah, I wonder what Ross went on to after, if anything. Well, he was doing some firestorm. We right. know that. <laughs> we do know that. Yeah. Well, I guess we know. Uh, if you listeners are listening, go ahead and shout out in the tweets or the comments of where you find the podcast and let us know what he's doing next. And with that, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, and we will be right back. Hey, everybody. Quentin Robison here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap. And got stuck down here. With no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service. So I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming of the show. If you want to get in on the voting and all the amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join for as little as $1 a month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected X-Men number 114. The credits for this issue is provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. Got a cover date of October 1978, but its on-sale date was July 18th, 1978. Cover price is also 35 cents. Editor was Roger Stern. Writer was Chris S. Claremont. Esquire! Thank you. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Plotter and Plensler was John L. Byrne. Feel the burn. Anchor is Terry Austin. Letter is Gene Semek. The color of bad colorist is Glennis Weeds. Yes. Yes. You can also uh, read along with us in some reprinteds in Marvel uh, Unlimited as well. The Essential X-Men Volume 1 trade paperback and Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1. 
Cover credits go to penciler John L. Byrne. Woo. Inker Terry Austin. And speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and go to Jared for a cover description. Count on me. Here we go. The Marvel Comics group banner is red with black letters, and the floating heads of Banshee, Colossus, Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler are all in their light blue corner box. But here's where things get interesting. I do believe that for the very first time on this podcast, the title reads The Uncanny X-Men. Yes, sir. The logo is white with red highlights. This is indeed the very first issue to use Uncanny X-Men on the cover. Although the name of the comic will not officially change to Uncanny X-Men until 142. Our main action is a somber scene. Beast, Phoenix, and Charles Xavier are all looking sad in a darkened room as the ghostly forms of their teammates haunt them in the background. And this is certainly the very last issue of X-Men since the cover clearly states the day the X-Men died. (laughs) I'll rely on my podcasting partners to give us the internal thoughts of each of the remaining X-Men But for a change of pace, we're going to go one at a time. Jason, you will do the thoughts of Phoenix, preferably in the voice of MJ. Delvin, you will give us Beast Center thoughts. And Pat, you will give us Professor X's thoughts. So, Jason, go ahead. Oh, Storm. I know I should be sad she died, but that bitch owed me $50. (laughs) (laughs) Delvin, what's the Beast? uh, (laughs) We lost Delvin. He's cracking up on that. Oh. Oh, Delvin, whenever you're ready in your own time, you give the inner thoughts of the beast. I give up. I don't. I don't have anything that's going to even come close to that. <laughs> okay, you tapped out, Pat. The inner thoughts of Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to try this one. Hold okay. on. <clears throat> I know a little Andres here, but now that Jean's back, <laughs> and she's told me that Scott isn't coming back anymore. She's got a new costume. Maybe I got a chance again. I see the way that old lady's looking at me. <laughs> oh, this has been the inner monologue with my podcasting partners. So, uh, and, and I'll I'll just thankfully put a nail in that. Thank you guys. <laughs> Back to you, Pat. Well, you pulled a pin on that grenade. <laughs> oh. I shouldn't have let Jason go first. What was I thinking? Off the rails right right away. Delvin, I was definitely going to go to the well of Charles Xavier thinking, well, Scott's dead. (laughs) And Gene's here. I was going to go that way with with Hank. Like, you know. (laughs) But no, I was man enough to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I always had a thing thing for Jane Grey. (laughs) All right. Well, with that cover description out of the way let's get to some quick cover thoughts and we'll start with tim i liked this cover i liked the the shadow the way they they use the shadow to mm-hmm. convey the the dead x-men this is the opposite of, of spider-man you could have left the caption off and you would have understood what was happening so i like that and then like super small thing the light coming in the window so the blue uh, on the floor mm-hmm. uh, of the window i think that take that out and it changes the cover quite a bit and then being able to see the kind of the rafters or the crown molding kind of in the room through the characters i think all of that brings the composition of the cover all together for me so like all of that and then the the three living characters kind of good expressions good uh conveying all their emotions so i liked this cover jason I agree with everything that uh, Tim said. I think that the cover just looks great. The placement's great. And I'll just hit on the cavernous background of the mansion. And it shows just kind of how 
big and lonely that mansion can be without the X-Men to fill it. Kelvin. I'm not as excited as Tim and Jason are about the cover. It was a good cover. I just don't have anything great to say about it. But wait, wait, I'll roll that back just a little bit. If you read last issue and you saw how Jean Grey and Beast were left in just the most dire of straits, then to pick this one up and you see the ghosts of the X-Men, you're like, holy crap, are they dead? They're dead, dead. Okay. So on the cover, the day the X-Men died. Yeah. So it would draw you in if you had just read last issue and then saw this one. And it's not a bad cover at all. So that is something uh, good that I have to say about it. It just didn't ring out to me super action-y or iconic, but it wasn't bad at all. I mean, it was John Byrne and his freaking prime. So how, how bad could it be? Not very. What do you think, Jared? Well, as a guy who's made a couple of comics and done a lot of inking, I want to tip the cap to Terry Austin. Mm-hmm. This is a somber cover that requires a dark tone, and he brought heavy inks exactly where it was needed. And I'm just going to tack that onto what Tim and Jason have already said about the, feeling the emptiness of the room, the layout. I'm really glad you pointed that out, Tim, the light on the floor. That's great. Uh, I think this is a fantastic cover. Pat, bring it home. Yeah, I can't say anything more than what you guys said. I really like the kind of ghostly portrayal of the rest of the team uh, standing there as well. And just a great illustrated or or drawn uh, comic. So, And I like in that new logo. Pretty interesting. Oh, yes. Using red on top of black is always a good idea. Yeah, made that pop really great. Really does. With that, let's go ahead and get to some cover ratings. And it's a one through five for this as well. And it's five. You loved it. It gave you a ring to swing on. Four. You really liked it. Three. You just liked it. Two. You didn't like it. And one. You hated it. It turned you into a baby. Mm. <laughs> ah. Tim. One through five. All right. Well, uh, continuing my trend of being one point lower than expected, I, I gave this a three. I like it. But as Delvin said, like, there's not a monster attacking. There's not like a ton of excitement or energy. And I'm not going to put this on the wall, but I liked it. It was well done. Delvin. I give it a three. Not a bad cover. Uh, just not a ton that stood out for me. Even Again, burn is quality, always great. So I'm judging it off of some of the other more awesome covers that he's done. And I'll say it's a three for burn. Jared. Burn and Austin together on an emotionally packed cover not every cover has to be super action-packed for me for it to be impactful i would indeed hang this on the wall gentlemen i'm all in on a five i love this cover wow i love it i love it jason are you gonna be a five no i'm not gonna go as high as a five but i will say that technically speaking this cover is as good as it can be, in my opinion. I think the balance between the inks and the colors is perfect. The layout is perfect. They use the maximum amount of space, yet everything feels, it doesn't feel crowded. It's an emotive cover. So, you know, it's just kind of personally what would go up on my wall is probably a more action-y cover with, with maybe an iconic villain on there. So while I can't go all in on a five, I will say this one is a four for me. What what would you say it was? A four. <laughs> a, four. It's a, four. It's a four. 
Okay. <laughs> well, I am going to agree with Jared. I'm giving it a five. I like this one. It's it nice. really um, emotionally told me something here. So I, yeah, I, I can't can't hate on you for the five. There's no. there's nothing wrong with this cover. Yeah, definitely a great cover. With that cover out of the way, let's get to the story. And that's brought to you by Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. title of this one is Desolation. In the wake of their battle with Magneto, the X-Men find themselves separated. With the Magneto base being flooded by magma, Beast and Jean escape to the deadly Arctic winds, while Scott, Storm, Nightcrawler, Banshee, Colossus, and Wolverine find themselves in the jungles of the Savage Land. Each group believing the other are dead, Jean and Beast barely survive the cold due to a last-minute rescue from the U.S. Navy. Returning home, Jean breaks the mistaken news to the professor that his students are dead. Meanwhile, after barely escaping Magneto's base themselves, Cyclops and his team are enjoying the respite in a remote Savage Land village. Storm wows the team, and Jared, I'm assuming, with her Savage Land bathing suit. Wolverine quietly mourns for Jean, and Colossus makes himself the meat in a Savage Land sandwich. Cyclops begins to remember his past and starts to make the connection between himself and Corsair the Starjammers. He is perplexed, however, and a little dismayed that he carries no grief for Jean. Why does it feel as if he doesn't even know the woman he loves? Well, you can't afford to get too comfortable in the Savage Land, and the X-Men are reminded of this as Storm is stalked and ambushed by an old foe, the parasitic Sauron. Will the X-Men rescue Storm from Sauron's vile clutches? Will the X-Men reunite? What was Jared's blood pressure when Storm revealed her jungle attire? All will be revealed. Here's, here's a hint. Hit me. <laughs> Tim, I have a long-standing love affair with Storm on this show. That's all you need to do. Well, Jason, thank you for that ravaging, savaging explanation of this story. With that, let's go ahead and get to the bric-a-brac for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread, Tim? First read. Jared. First read, although I feel like that's inconsequential. Pat? First read. <laughs> Delvin? <laughs> that's just staying it up. No, oh, no, he just... <laughs> first read for me. Jason. Reading Rainbow, then! Oh, I forgot. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. No, it's I thought maybe you changed your mind from... Um, reading rainbow <laughs> reading rainbow <laughs> oh double sad rainbow <sighs> maybe someday we'll get the rainbow back 
Maybe. In the meantime, let's get to the, some highs, lows, or what does for this issue. And Tim, got a high, low, or what the? The splash pages in this book were fantastic. I mean, page one, just the title, the desolation along mm-hmm. the bottom. I, I love it when the artist puts a little work into the title, incorporating it into the art. So there are three three main splash pages in this book, and they were all pretty standout. Jared. I'm going to start out with a low, but I'll come back with a high. My low on this is, while a lot happened, not much happened. It felt like the issue where we get this, it was like an angst off, like who could have the most angst? Eh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who could brood the best? Who could have the most inner monologue? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you who was brooding the best was Colossus. Cause he was, <laughs> Colossus, he was, he was Sean Connery and from Russia with love at the gypsy camp. Man, that's a good, good place to be. But other than that, like I could understand like the brooding emotional things, but either edit it down or kind of spread that over a couple of issues as people struggle with things. But it's like, it felt like the whole issue was just brooding and angst. And I didn't even get excited until the end with the appearance of Sauron, who I think is a cool character that I know very little about. Cause you guys know I'm not yeah. very in the X universe. I know I'm kind of stepping into another higher low, but uh, I, I like Sauron. I want to see him team up with Stegron. Yeah. I was going to say Stegron. <laughs> I want Stegron. <laughs> Sauron. But anyway, I've talked enough. Jason. It's your round, sir. Well, I I really uh, thought that for a high, I really respected Beast, just sheer endurance and his willpower, keeping himself and Gene alive mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Arctic. I thought the way that Byrne laid that out showed all like the snow and ice just hanging yeah. off the Beast's fur. Look, it just cool. looked brutal. And so yeah. visually and storytelling wise, I thought they did a really good job of, of just showing how close Beast came to dying and how much, you know, his just sheer willpower got kept them alive. Delvin. I'm going to start with a low and it's going to go to two of the smarter people on the team, even though I 100% agree with what Jason just said about what Beast did to even get them in a position to be rescued. That was amazingly heroic. But at the same time, for him to just immediately conclude that the other X-Men were dead without any proof, that's kind of, I don't want to say bad storytelling, because that's harsh. But I'll say convenient storytelling, because it's Hank McCoy, who's a scientist, and has a galaxy-level brain, and there was no possibility that any of those guys could have escaped. Just them? Mm. I'm going to tag on to that if I could, Delvin, because it got me thinking, and I don't know the answer to this but for sure, but I thought that the original X-Men had been to the Savage Land before. So I could almost forgive it if Beast, like, you know, if you don't know that there's like this mysterious jungle that's hidden in the middle of the Arctic. Yeah, you can say, yeah, they're dead, man. If you ain't found them right now, they're, they're dead. But if he's been there before... Yeah, Cyclops made hint that he had been there before, yeah. but Sauron recognized Cyclops while he was in the Savage Land. So I think they have, even though I can tell you when. Before I forgot the thought, the other part of it would be when Beast and Jean Grey came back to the mansion and it's like, Charles, the X-Men are dead. Charles should have said, well, we have Cerebro. Yes, Yes, thank you, Delvin. That was one of my... And do a quick double check to see if they're dead or not. And instead, he was like, well, all right. (laughs) Word. 
it's like, I mean, I, I'm only our a telepath of the highest order that could. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Let me make a quick check. No, yeah. they're not. <laughs> so I, I, I will say, uh, in, I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say bad storytelling. I will say it was convenient storytelling by Chris Fairmont to forget those things. Yeah. That's fair. Good points. Good points. Definitely. I'm going to use my this round for my high, and I'm going to go back to Burns' art in this. Mm. Just awesome. I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> Tim mentioned, you know, the splash pages on this. Awesome. Action scenes, oh, just done nicely. Really well storytelling here. I think you could kind of read through it just through the story or just through the art as well. So that would be my high is just really enjoyed looking at this issue. With that, let's go ahead and get around to the second round. Tim, do you got an, a high, low, or what the? I liked the internal monologues. Um, no. <laughs> but, but I, I yeah, should, that's, so, yeah. The, I've been trying to but, convince Jared of this for years. Right? It's it's X-Men. It's like a soap opera. That's yeah. what you come yeah, for. That's right. But, so yeah. I read uh, the classic X-Men reprint mm, first. Right, right. Then I was curious. I was like, okay, I know they added some pages and stuff. So they added four pages and Three of the pages that I really liked were the added pages. Ah, um, so be unfair, but those added pages were like Cyclops leading up to the what will become the Madeline Pryor thing and like all of that future stuff. They went in and added pages to build it up in the earlier issues in the classic X-Men. So, so I liked the internal monologue, but I think reading it without those extra pages, it changes it quite a bit. I didn't uh, realize there so. was added story pages to the classic X-Men reprints. Yep. Um, every classic X-Men had a new cover, a new back cover. Some of them, like this one, had another story added at the end, which was like a cool storm demon thing. Um, they added four pages. How many pages they add depends on the story. Right, because like these old ones were only like 17 pages long. So they're trying to make a 22-page comic in the 80s. I get it. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, I've been putting together a, a classic X-Men run. Nice. And so I, I went and grabbed it. So. Yeah, get those bound up. Get it hardbound. Yeah, I wonder where you could get that hardbound. Ooh. <laughs> That's uh, Arthur Adams' cover? Yeah, that? yeah. That's an incredibly ballsy thing to do, though. You know this classic stuff? That we have here, maybe we can flesh out the story just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love the audacity. It's the same. Please, writer. Mr. Lucas, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's the same writer. You know, Claremont went back and oh, added pages, so he can Very kind cool. of do that, and he knew what he was building toward. You say you um, like exposition. Yeah, <laughs> more pages of exposition, baby. <laughs> and they were all words. Like there was no art. <laughs> Dude, that is so fascinating. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. That's super cool. Now I'm not really more interested in wanting <laughs> to find more of those. Yeah, yeah. I always kind of pass yeah. on classic X Men. I'm missing. like, yeah, I kind yeah, I kind of did too because I was like, I've got these issues. <laughs> I don't really need them again. But that's yeah. cool. That's like like you got bonus feature DVDs bonus that you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easter eggs. <laughs> I like Very cool. That. Jason, hi, Lou Orta. Kind of like Tim, I did like the exposition. I especially liked how the team had had a moment to kind of slow down and is starting to set up the next story arc. And I like the part where Cyclops starts to realize the truth between he and Corsair. I thought that was very interesting. And mm -hmm. um, when he shares his feelings about Gene, 
to Storm, and man, Storm just kind of gives him what for. I like that, too. She kind of put him in his place. She's had to do that a couple times in X-Men lore, and it's kind of good to see her step up and take on that uh, little more mature leadership uh, mm-hmm. mantle. Mm-hmm. So I, I did like uh, a lot of the exposition in here. Jason, have you ever heard the word piratical before? Piratical? Yeah. Like a, like a pirate? Like a pirate? Did they use the word piratical in here? Yes. <laughs> like he he looked in the water is like with a beard. He's like, I look kind of piratical. Uh, well, we pirate are, rad. That's a rad pirate. <laughs> well, we, all, <laughs> we all know Claremont gets paid by the syllable. So. <laughs> That's for freaking made up, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I to me that was just a, I just feel like it was, it was uh, and I'm I'm being nice about it because it's Claremont and X Men like he created the new X Men and like and he definitely created the X universe and for which I'm forever grateful for. Little bit convenient. I'm looking in the water and realize that I look like this guy that I saw a few months ago. Flashback. Mm. I don't know. I'm not a writer. I, I can't. I can't think of a better way at the top of my head. Even if I could, I'm still not Chris Claremont. So I, again, yeah. I just thought piratical was a little bit. Well, I think that a couple things. Because number one, I think you know we need to bear in mind that Cyclops suffered some pretty severe head trauma with his escape from that plane as a child, and that's one of the reasons why he needs the visor to control his optic blast because he can't control it otherwise. It also, I think, you know, there are certain things that would trigger him and he's been moving so fast battling Magneto over the last few issues. And this is his first time to kind of sit down and just even as he's shaven, start to digest the things that have happened to him. And you can tell he's struggling. Like he's trying to remember from his childhood, which he he just, you know, he has these glimpses and these things are triggering his memory. So I'm giving Chris a strong pass on this. I think that, I think it's kind of clever how, how he's doing it. That's my defense. Defense rest. It's not a bad uh, The facial did it for me. Like Cyclops never has facial hair. Yeah. So like I myself have looked at myself and thought like, you know, after not shaving or like the right angle, I'm like, Oh, that's my dad. Um, mm. you know, it catches you off guard. So I like how he built that up and they've been gone for so long and so busy for so long that he gradually over each issue got more facial hair. So he, he built it up a little bit. What are you implying? Is Corsair is so, somehow related to Cyclops? Is that what you're implying? <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to give you any spoilers here. But. <laughs> and he's got a he's got a brother too. <laughs> Uh, 30, 40 year old spoilers. Yeah. Delvin, high, low, or what the? I also want to talk about John Burns' art because I'm not even at Jared's level of fanaticism about Storm. And it's like, good lord. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she was just a freaking knockout in this book. Like, I mean, even on that last page where you're like, oh no, sorry. Wait. Uh, <laughs> so. It's Sauron. It's Sauron. It's Sauron. Hold on. 
Uh, and Soren's okay. like, I'll wait here for you. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was and even funnier was that it was a good reveal. Like, oh cool. Sauron, classic X-Men villain, well drawn. It was cool, but them thighs. <laughs> were incredible. Like, Those are all on point. Yeah, so John Byrne gets an absolute thumbs up. I don't, I mean, if he had a model doing that or whatever, he drew that from memory or I don't know. Fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I said it for you, Jared. Well done. Jared, any follow up? I was going to, I honestly, I was going to give Art the high in my last round, and I wasn't even going to focus on the gorgeous, gorgeous storm. I was going to mention it, of course, but uh, the art all around, just top to bottom, front to back, is aces. Freaking top drawer. I don't know how many other old-timey phrases I can use here. Um, cock of the walk. Just cock of the walk, baby. I mean, from, I'm serious. From point A to point B, from damaged costumes to Savage Land garb, Sauron looks great. Of course, Storm looks gorgeous. I just love it all. And then just to tack on, too, to what Jason said, I like Storm's moment of setting Cyclops straight. And that's oh, one of the, I've mentioned this before. I've my biggest fandom of Storm is actually 80s Storm when she's the team leader. I think mm-hmm. she's an awesome leader. They're laying the seeds for that right now. She's she's been doing that. Just sort of that person who is sort of one step above everybody in maturity, going, well, you know, maybe this, maybe think about that. You know, she's and I just conscience of the team. Yes. And I to me that's one of the things that just heightens the the attraction for me is I think she's a wonderful leader, a great person and them thighs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go out. Nice. I'm gonna go out and say it. I think that Storm is the best team leader the X Men have ever had. Like to me, I, I she's would, the yeah. best would leader. I wouldn't argue with that. I I like Cyclops a lot, but I think as far as leadership skills go, she may be number one. Uh, oh, I, I I respect Cyclops a lot because he did it during the hard times. You know. Not that times were easy when Storm was yeah. but you know, I'm saying new team, lots of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not saying he was, was a bad leader by any stretch of the imagination, but when I looked through all the years of reading X Men, yeah, I said, hey, man, if I had to follow any one of those cats, that'd be Storm. Storm. Not just because of the thighs. <laughs> no, yeah, the thighs, but. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a bonus. It, it's almost like the Batman Nightwing dynamic in that. Batwing, Batwing, Batman, a lot of times is put in these leadership positions and he's very good. People follow him. He's very smart. But the one that people gravitate to is Nightwing. Mm -hmm. And anytime he's put in that position, he leads with his heart more than his head. And that will get people every single time. And that's what Storm does. Like over the decades, Storm yeah, she may make a leadership mistake here or there, but it's always because she cared too much about her people and heck, even her enemies sometimes. And that constant has never changed with Storm. And it's one of the things that has made her awesome. And one of the things that kind of gets on your nerves with Cyclops is that sometimes he's so logical to the point that either he gets boring or he gets like almost robotic. And you're like, eh, and, and either one of those kind of grates on you. But Storm, I don't know. There's just something about her. That was just one of those characters that Claremont created that has just just been a beacon like ever since she's been created. Tinker? 
Well, I'll just finish it up here then. It's, it's going to be high. I'm going to go with the character that was done here. And just each character kind of got their little more character moments. So just building that character lore here as well, too. Especially, I'm going to call out the Wolverine one, you know, where he's beginning to confess his love for Gene and, and that fight between uh, him and Cyclops for Gene's love. So interesting. That was yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you guys mentioned it to uh, Storm's leadership character moment there too and uh, definitely some great building of character here so i think with that why don't we go ahead and get into who went the extra mile and we'll start with tim who did go the extra mile in this issue for you i think the villagers went the extra mile here <laughs> that's a good uh, point <laughs> all of them all the villagers so those two uh, ladies with glasses went the extra mile yeah. I, tell you. I did read a small note that Colossus and his villagers very brief encounter has a a later appearance years later somebody appears that is the child of that moment <laughs> oh yes, I forgot about that yep oh, my goodness Ooh, Ooh, interesting now it's putting the X in X-Men <laughs> <laughs> Jason who put the X in X-Men for you well you had to read the text boxes to get it it didn't really show it in the art, but I have to say Storm, because Storm fought her claustrophobia for miles underground, oh, yeah. 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 used her powers to keep her team alive, and without her, they would have perished. So I and think, them thighs! And them thighs! <laughs> Bonus points for them thighs! But yeah, I'm giving it to Storm. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that Claremont's solution... For them getting out of that trap was that storm created a big enough ice storm that it stopped a lava flow. Mm -hmm. She has done some incredible alpha level crap Mm -hmm. so far. She's taken charge of space winds. She has done some crazy stuff. She is she is super, super powerful. Mm -hmm. And also, never mind, I've done the joke here. (laughs) (laughs) We all know. (laughs) <laughs> the uh, classic x-men two of the pages they add were after they come out and they're like oh crap we're in the savage land they then get attacked by more molten lava and have to go through another tunnel that storm gets them out of while fighting through her claustrophobia so Absolutely. if there wasn't enough already they added two more pages so up. he actually wanted to show it instead of it. i got you yeah, I have, I'm going to have to go back and look for those things. Very cool. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite thing we've learned on this episode. Yeah. yeah. All of Tim's slow scores were worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking up some classic X. This, this one's getting a five. <laughs> Delvin, any? Uh, yeah. uh, I'll go. I'll take Beast because for him to get Jean Grey in that, the position that he did, I mean, they're in the Antarctic many degrees below zero. And he was able to tough it out for who knows how long he walked, miles, to get to that point. That was an incredible uh, act of heroism. So I'll go with Beast. Jared. You know, much like on a recent issue of G.I. Joe Chronicles here on the network, I'm going to pick somebody who was barely in the issue, but I find very memorable. And I'm mm-hmm. going to give it to Sauron. I was just so excited. Like, you know, that recent episode of G.I. Joe we did where I was so excited to see Storm Shadow kind of pop up at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to remember about that Joe issue. That's what I'm going to remember about this X-Men issue. 
oh. for years to come. I'm like, this is the one where Sauron shows up in the end because he's just like so well drawn. And of course, Storm looks sexy. We, we covered that. But like, you know what the icing on the cake is? Is not Damn only eyes. The, yes, <laughs> is not only is he so well drawn and it's a great reveal of a cool looking villain, but dude has a pistol. Yeah. On his side. And you know how I love stuff like that. Like we got a dinosaur man with, with a pistol. pistol. Pack it heat. We got a dinosaur packing heat. And, and I don't know. It, it, it's weird how it's just that final panel reveal, much like it was on that G.I. Joe with Storm Shadow. Mm-hmm. That was just, I got me amped. And so I'm just going to give it to Sauron. He hasn't done a heck of a lot, but. But you're ready for the next. I am ready for the next one. And I really like where it was left off. Very good. Yeah. I, I feel that for you. Does that leave you, Pat? Yes, it does. I'm going to go with Wolverine on this one. I think he just kind of went the extra mile, obviously, because he was beating the, he beat up that monster. <laughs> yeah. Cyclops was kind of like, what if, what if you'd missed? Yeah. I don't want <laughs> to. Shut up, Cyclops. <laughs> well, even Banshee was like, uh, I, you know, maybe we could yell at him later because you yeah. didn't like the way he saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> Cyclops, take a breather, bro. Yeah. And I'm a Cyclops I love, fan. I loved how Wolverine was just like, I like it here. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he likes savage stuff. Well, one, one moment he's, you know, ripping things up apart. And the next moment he's kind of just chilling and, you know, sewing a little bit. <laughs> Very cool. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the rating system. It's a one through five as just a reminder. It's five, you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing on. Four, you really liked it. And three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Tim, one through five for the story. So I read two versions of it. I've got two different scores. Um, Mm. Standard gets a four. I'm an X-Men. I I love it all. All the... All the monologues, all the action, <laughs> all the all the crazy stuff. Add in the classic pages, and it's it might be a five. Oh, Ooh, hot stuff! Easy now. Hold on, the November area there. <laughs> Interesting. Finally, somebody appreciates the X Men. That's right, Jason. You are an X Men fan as well, too. I am an X Men fan, and uh, not quite as, as passionate. I think this is a good. Um, emotional story a filler story a good kickoff to the next arc so i'm gonna give it a three i i liked it i enjoyed it i would have thought you gave it higher delvin i'm with jason i'm at a three on this one it was a transition uh issue but i'm glad that we mentioned a lot of the cool things that went into it and, and that's why i know it sounded like i was critical on, about claremont stuff but there's so many good things that he threw in there that there's no way that they could be below a three. The only reason I'm putting it there is I think this is transitioning to some cooler stuff. And that's where I leave. Jared. I 100% agree with Delvin. Three. It's as good as a transition issue can be. And transition issues usually land at a three for me. Pat? I'm going with a four. I really liked it. Nothing wrong with that. I definitely like this one. Um, just for the character moments, for the art. I'm really excited for the next issue. Cool. Me too. I want to see some Sauron action. I have a feeling, yeah, I might be scoring the next one a little bit higher. I don't remember it, so looking forward to it. Sauron's cool. Uh, yeah, and I don't know anything about Sauron, so this is uh, interesting. I just, I just know him when I see him, and I think he's a great design. He's got a pistol. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a pistol out of Jared's all in. I'm all in. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. you got a comment or a question, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. We will be right back. The Too Old, Too New Podcast. 
a show dedicated to reviewing books from the bins and recent reads. I'm Bill. And I'm Seth. Be sure to listen to us on our Too Old, Too New comic book podcast, where we talk about two old comic books and two new comic books every episode. Comic book fans don't miss out. Too Old, Too New is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, Dim Thighs, no, no. <laughs> theyardsaleartists.com. Early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, quarterly newsletter, which Pat loves to write, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf, Bill Beer, Blasseter Sashet, Bob Buster, Braxton Underwood, David Collins, Gene Hendricks, Gerald Green, Greg Van Leuven, I the Collector, Ivor Evans, Jeremy L, Jim Jarman, Joe Thomas, John Watson, John and Maggie, Jose Poyo, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W, Paul Hicks, Reggie Hancock, Rick of Jeff and Rick Present, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Toronto Cop, and one-time donor Bradford Willie. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance release, so if you're recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. We will move on to social media likes, shares, and retweets from this was Amazing Spider-Man 184 and X-Men 113. Yes. Ooh, there is a lot. Episode 40. <laughs> it was Episode 40 had a lot of feedback. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a lot of, oh, lot good of people. Lord. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Get your reading voices ready, people. <laughs> Thank you, okay. everyone. I'll kick it off with Adam. El Sedano. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bam Adebayo Stan. Ben Terrell. Bill Bear. Billy Dunlevy. Blasted or Stashit. Brian Yuck. Brian Yates. Brian's Age Babies. I win the jackpot. It's Chris <laughs> at BTO and Bat Bugs. Gentlemen. Down the highway. Clinton Robinson. Kodiak723. Coffee and Comics. Ooh, I think I know this one. Comics with Normies. Awesome show. Awesome mm-hmm. show. Corey Carpenter. Damon Hayward. Dan Onasia. Danilo Delay. Dave Collins. Oben Lund. Just a crazy old man. The lovely Deborah Smith. Derek William Crabb. Donald Reynosa. Doug Peacock. Dustin Staub. Idair Araujo. 
Eric Rivera. Fan Film Fridays Podcast. Gene Hendricks. Geraldo Hazar Argilar. Grant Carlton. Ray Leonard HG. Earth is on lockdown. Face with medical masks. <laughs> <laughs> Hal Jordan. Hilton, a.k.a. Tito Jackson. Ivan Chudley. J.L. Grandchamp. James Charles Huntley. James Windsor. J.T. Jeremy Spaulding. Jim Tier. John D. Knoll. John Theory, one, two, three. J.P. Smith. Juan Jose Luis Hernandez. Wow, I counted you out and you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just standing here slack, John. We don't know what I counted doing. you all the way out. <laughs> Ken Solo. Kim Ellis. Lance Thomas. Lion Man, 77. Rawr. Well, yeah, not to be outdone, it's Lobster Night 43. <laughs> 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 snap, 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 snap. <laughs> We've got M. Anthony Gerardo, Rico Suave. Mark DeSimone. Mark Holcomb. Mark Martin. Marvel Comics UK. Max Traver. Mecha Soldier 84. Michael Croucher. Mike Peacock. Movies and Comics Books videos nicholas prom patrick coyle paul <laughs> <laughs> we're never quite sure <laughs> ettb paul b bit of a paul from back to the bins is what it means oh, oh. <laughs> philip a busker philip oh professor frenzy it's a it's show, a show. <laughs> and our friends from rad adventures and radioactive dinosaur ranger gourd rick heineken roderick mack Ross Michaud. Ruben Araujo Jr. Russ Sauer. Ruth Sutherland. Scott Berry. Sean McNally. Sean Urbanski. Square Root minus one. Steve Lawrence. T.C. Ilger Simsetan Tutamulu. Easy for you to say. Right? <laughs> I was really glad that you got that one. Uh, <laughs> the Abominable Abel Padzilla. The Hammer Strikes. Random geeky stuff. The King of America. Tim Elliott. Tim Hansen. <laughs> Timmy. Tim Price. Todd Wyatt. Dare we? <laughs> of course. Yeah, dare. Of course All right. Somebody give me a beat. Well, ain't no packing like the unpacking power of the power pack power because they don't pack power when they don't stop. They don't stop unpacking the power of the power pack. Not bad. Really rusty. Yeah. yeah. Bernard Jeffries. Waffles, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> we have a dog that listens to our podcast. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Listen to the show and say, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Late night humor. Backstreet Boys. They're rough. (laughs) Warlock Thanos Podcast. West McGee. William Cairns. And Zachary Carter. What a list. Thank you, guys. That was yeah, guys, thank you so much. Almost 100, list, uh, 100 people responded. So, wow. I feel like I need a cigarette after that. Thank yeah. you, everybody. Good grief. We will move on to social media comments. And I'll start with Auburn Elvis, because I don't know if I've ever had a comment from Auburn Elvis, or we've had a comment from Auburn Elvis, have we, Jared? I've had a dinner with Auburn Elvis, but I don't know if he's commented before. I've met the man in person. I've been in the same room as Auburn Elvis. I've seen him with and without. (laughs) Get up on Anyway, he comments, the moral, always take gym class. Also, Empire State University has a terrible (laughs) academic advisory staff. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, give us a little preview. <laughs> Both things are very true, Auburn Ellis. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. So GLHG says, and finally, the trophy. Everyone was on point from Jared's beeper, Delvin's Wolverine snoring, to Jason's mental image of Pat with a beret. <laughs> but he's got to give it to Cristado yes. Zero One. I won the right I won. at the beginning. Woo-hoo. That special person, Jason. <laughs> oh, thank you, GLHG. I appreciate it. I'll just put that trophy with my others. You're the best, man. Jared. Yeah. Yep. You didn't win. I feel like Zoolander at the beginning. <laughs> he goes up to the stage, tries to take Hansel's trophy. <laughs> but yes, I did win. <laughs> oh, goodness. Green Lantern HG. Great episode, guys. Enjoyed a lot. I think the corner diamond you're talking about is a direct redistribution mark they put on some comics just to denote they're not news stand bound. Could be wrong. And yes, I think Ryan Tim and Tim are smarter than me. <laughs> and right. Yeah. The diamond is a direct market. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We had a discussion about that last episode. We were like trying to figure out what the difference was. And a lot of people jumped in on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad we have that. a pro like Tim here to, to verify, but very cool. Uh, I'll take one from our friend from Down Under. Paul Hicks says, longtime commenter, first time listener. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on 40 episodes, you barrel full of monkeys. No, I think he meant barrel full of monkeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did indeed say barrel full of monkeys. Thanks, Paul. We appreciate your support of our 40th episode. Pat, pick a good one. I'll go with one from Tim Price. And Timmy says, sorry, Christatos, gotta disagree. Betty is gorgeous here. In my humble opinion, her hairstyle looks like Mary Tyler Moore's. Woo-hoo. And I look just like Buddy Holly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat liked it Mary Tyler less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And with that, that's going to be the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where the post will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, and Delvin, and Tim for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's go ahead and find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Tim, where can people find you and find Omaha Bound? Uh, OmahaBound.com and then Facebook and Twitter, Omaha Bound. Cool. Awesome. Make sure you guys check that out. Do that. Do exactly that. Jason. Well, you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook. Jared. I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And check out my YouTube channel. If you look up Yard Sale Artist, you will find me drawing some stuff. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Pat, have we gotten you? No, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us on the live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It live stream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start around 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. 
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. you got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care, and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the Crusade to I was chasing your direction, I was telling you no lies, and I was loving you. When the words are said, baby, I lose my head. And in a world of people, there's only you and I. There ain't nothing come between us in the end. The intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Usually we don't start until like an hour later. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what to do here. You read the intro, man. You read the intro. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm not used to this. Yeah. Usually there's conversation because Pat wants to talk and I want to go to sleep. And then someone usually says, all right, let's go ahead and get started so Delphi can go to sleep. And then everyone completely disregards that sentence for the rest of the time. We're going to talk for the next two and a half to three hours. <laughs> I'll go grab one. I'll be back. Don't don't let them talk bad about me, Tim. That's what they do when I'm gone. No, we don't, dude. No, we, we never don't. Do. I cannot stand that son of a. That arrogant son of a. He's always got to take charge. He's always got to be talking. How do I find what he was wearing when he left? Put on some pants, man. Put on some pants. We're live. Now, who'd you get in the middle? I don't know. It's like Hollywood Squares. This is Delvin, Jason, Tim. Together we became the LBC crew bunch. The LBC crew bunch. I like being here. I feel like I could be like a puppet master. That's the way we became. Hope you liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I could have Sean Connery do it. Yeah, we'll do it in different voices. Mary Jane could do it. This would be great. (laughs) Back to you, Pat. (laughs) Oh, he started already. (laughs) You started him. Entertaining, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I was bound in Omaha one time. (laughs) Oh, MJ. The safe word was comic. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go oh, back no. on mute. Let Pat do his thing. <laughs> mute Jason, please. <laughs> the obvious one, the hostess ads. That gave birth to married yeah. name. Yeah. Hostess ads are classic. That would be mine. I like the hostess ads. Oh, I thought you were gonna go D&D. for D and D. Well, I gotta go D and D, but Jason brought up a good point. I like those hostess ads. Don't did you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, I, I, besides D and D's nuts. I was going to say earlier <laughs> that it turns out that the Metal Gear games they're pretty solid. No, Delvin, you snake, you, you snake. (laughs) Crisscross. Crisscross. Make you jump, jump, jump. 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 Jump.
the daddy mecca with you. Don't, don't get distracted. <laughs> he said keep going. No, I, I meant keep going with the uh, script. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I bought a bunch of them. I might have number two. Yeah. I, you know, never mind. <laughs> you have a number two joke? Or not anymore. I flushed it. Welcome, welcome to the, well, I was going to say the high school episode, but it, every episode is like this. This is where junior high. <laughs> yeah, we're being generous. And that's why I failed gym class. <laughs> All right, folks, it's honor Kenny Rogers. A warm summer's evening. <laughs> On the train, train down nowhere. Met up with a gambler. We were both, we were both too tired to sleep. So, so we, we took turns to stare. Out the window, window at the darkness. darkness. Till Bodom overtook us. And, and he began to speak. I don't know the lyrics. He said, Son, I made a laugh. Out of reading people's faces. Knowing what the cards were. By the way, they held their eyes. So if you don't mind my saying. I can see that you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey. I give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bombed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression. Said if you're gonna play the game, boy, you gotta learn to play. Chorus. Play. You got to know. Know when we know we know when 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 we know Every crusader knows no. the secret to surviving. No. I'm going to Tim's face speaks for all of us. Every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. And the best that you can hope for is to die.